Chapter Eight of Agnes Gray by Anne Bronte. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: The Coming Out. At eighteen, Miss Murray was to emerge from the quiet obscurity of the schoolroom into the full blaze of the fashionable world, as much of it, at least, as could be had out of London. For her papa could not be persuaded to leave his rural pleasures and pursuits, even for a few weeks' residence in town. She was to make her debut on the third of January at a magnificent ball which her mamma proposed to give to all the nobility and choice gentry of O and its neighbourhood for twenty miles round. Of course, she looked forward to it with the wildest impatience and the most extravagant anticipations of delight. Miss Gray said she one evening a month before the all-important day as I was perusing a long and extremely interesting letter of my sister's, which I had just glanced at in the morning to see that it contained no very bad news and kept till now unable before to find a quiet moment for reading it miss gray do put away that dull stupid letter and listen to me i'm sure my talk must be far more amusing than that she seated herself on the low stool at my feet and i suppressing a sigh of vexation began to fold up the epistle you should tell the good people at home not to bore you with such long letters said she and above all do bid them write on proper note-paper and not on those great vulgar sheets you should see the charming little lady-like notes mamma writes to her friends the good people at home replied i know very well that the longer their letters are the better i like them i should be very sorry to receive a charming little lady-like note from any of them and i thought you were too much of a lady yourself miss murray to talk about the vulgarity of writing on a large sheet of paper well i only said it to tease you but now i want to talk about the ball and to tell you that you positively must put off your holidays till it is over why so i shall not be present at the ball no but you will see the rooms decked out before it begins and hear the music and above all see me in my splendid new dress i shall be so charming you'll be ready to worship me you really must stay i should like to see you very much but i shall have many opportunities of seeing you equally charming on the occasion of some of the numberless balls and parties that are to be and i cannot disappoint my friends by postponing my return so long oh never mind your friends tell them we won't let you go but to say the truth it would be a disappointment to myself i long to see them as much as they to see me perhaps more well but it is such a short time nearly a fortnight by my computation and besides i cannot bear the thoughts of a christmas spent from home and moreover my sister is going to be married is she when not till next month but i want to be there to assist her in making preparations and to make the best of her company while we have her why didn't you tell me before i've only got the news in this letter which you stigmatize as dull and stupid and won't let me read to whom is she to be married to mr richardson the vicar of a neighbouring parish is he rich no only comfortable is he handsome no only decent young no only middling oh mercy what a wretch what sort of a house is it a quiet little vicarage with an ivy-clad porch an old-fashioned garden and oh stop you'll make me sick how can she bear it i expect she'll not only be able to bear it but to be very happy you did not ask me if mr richardson were a good wise or amiable man i could have answered yes to all these questions at least so mary thinks and i hope she will not find herself mistaken but miserable creature how can she think of spending her life there cooped up with that nasty old man and no hope of change he is not old 
He's only six or seven and thirty, and she herself is twenty-eight, and as sober as if she were fifty. Oh, that's better, then. They're well matched. But do they call him the worthy vicar? I don't know. But if they do, I believe he merits the epithet. Mercy, how shocking! And will she wear a white apron and make pies and puddings? I don't know about the white apron, but I dare say she will make pies and pudding now and then. But that will be no great hardship, as she has done it before. And will she go about in a plain shawl and a large straw bonnet, carrying tracts and bone soup to her husband's poor parishioners? I'm not clear about that, but I dare say she will do her best to make them comfortable in body and mind, in accordance with her mother's example. End of chapter 8